Well, go ahead and be seated. Praise God. Praise God. We're glad that you're here today. If you're online, thanks for joining us. There is no distance in the spirit. The word of God works here, there, wherever you may be connected at. Amen. Because together we join in the corporate anointing and the spirit of God moves on us. He moves in us, gives us a word that we need that will change our life. Amen. 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 Glory to God. We've got a lot of people on vacation, it looks like. But that's okay. They always told us a long time ago, you never preach to the empty seats. <laughs> so the fewer of you that are here, we can pinpoint you. <laughs> Glory to God. So I went to uh, dinner with my uh, second oldest grandson, and uh, him and his wife took us out for dinner Friday night. And uh, she shows me a picture of my other grandson's wife, who you know is going to have a baby, and um, shows us a picture. And both her and Hannah, which is the gal that we went to dinner with uh, uh, Friday night, uh, our, other grand, great, our other granddaughter in law. And uh, there's a picture of them, and they're holding up baby clothes, and it says, we're cousins. And I'm thinking, why are you cousins? You and Colleen are not cousins. I, I don't understand this. So I give him the phone back. I'm like, that's nice. So Justin says to me, did you get the picture? I'm like, did you send it to me? What do you mean? He goes, did you understand the picture? So I'm thinking back at the picture. See, I wasn't brought up with family, so I don't think in the area of cousins or or anything like this, you know. My father had eight brothers, but I knew no cousins. So there were no cousins in my life, so I don't think about cousins. So I'm thinking about the picture, and I'm like, they're holding up baby clothes and says, we're cousins. And I'm like, you're pregnant too. So you meant you and Colleen, Damon and Justin's babies are going to be cousins. So that means we're going to be second great-grandparents. There's our second great grandbaby coming in March. What's that? Yes, that's why they call them grand, because every time you do something with them, it'll cost you a grand. So why? So we have four grandsons, and we have two, we're going to have two great grandbabies. And uh, so this is the biggest family I've ever had in my life, known family I've ever had in my life. So. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, so, you know, I went and, and uh, to work on the book this week, and I got it done. It's about, um, about, 80, about 80 pages, and the title of the book is Bridging, Building the Bridge of Your Soul. That the soul is the bridge between the spirit realm and the natural realm, and the book talks all about that and how all that works in your life. Amen. Amen. So uh, hopefully by the end of this week, we'll have it at the printers and they'll be printing them up for us. So praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Praise the Lord. Hello, Pedro. We're glad that you're there today. Glad that you're online. And yes, praise God because God is good. 
Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Father, we bless you and we honor you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We come before you now, Lord, with open hearts to hear from heaven, to hear what it is that you'd have to say to us, that we would not receive it in the area of our understanding based on worldly thinking or tradition or in any other way, but that we would receive it in truth and in what you have to say to us. For only by taking hold of what you say to us can our life change, can it increase and grow. And Father, I just thank you so much that as our hearts are open to you, your anointing will move on our behalf and we will receive from heaven today. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Now, when Terry was here, he mentioned this, and I'm so glad that he did because before Terry got here and we were finishing up the series we were on, the Lord had already talked to me about going down this direction. So thank God how he works all things together. You know, he doesn't work all things together for your good. All right? But he does work all things together. And... Um, so now I have to explain that, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't work all things together for good. In other words, he doesn't cause all kinds of nonsense and trash in your life, but he's going to work it out for the good. You know, well, it's really bad what's happening to you, but it's actually for your good. No, that's not scriptural. That's not God. And that is not right thinking. Uh, in fact, when Joseph wound up in Egypt and... He became a slave in Egypt, and then he wound up serving uh, Pharaoh, remember, in the throne. And he made a statement to his brothers when his brothers showed up, and he said that this evil God worked it out and made it good, or this evil that you planned for me, God planned it for good. That's how it's written in the Bible, which is a wrong translation. I don't know who they hire for translators. But they need to work on some of this stuff. Because if you look at it in the Hebrew, what it actually says is that he said to his brothers, the plan you wove to be evil to me, God took your plan and rewove it and turned it out for good. See, that's how it works. It's not God brings evil on you, but he's actually going to do good. That is wrong thinking. God is good. God is only good. He is always good. He has nothing to do with evil. And the devil don't work for God. He's not on the payroll. Okay. So that's explained. If you have any more questions, email me. So he says here that in all respects that you would prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers, okay? King James says, above all things, that you would prosper. But this version says, in all respects, and this is a better translation, in all respects. So what does it mean, in all respects? Well, it means it's not just money. Because once you hear that word prosper based on your tradition, based on what the world tells you, based on what everything says to you all of your life, prosperity is money. But he said, in all respects, so you could prosper financially and the devil kill you with cancer. You could prosper financially 
and the devil destroy your life because of anxiety and worry. But he says, in all respects, that you would prosper. So he's talking about everything. Isn't that right? So, you know, thinking about that it's just money can be a, a wrong perspective. Maybe we think it's just money because we've set our love on money. Maybe we think it's just money because we think money is the answer to all of our problems. If I just had more money, everything would be fine. No, not if you're a fool, because more money just makes you more of a fool. Maybe you think it's money because you're covetous and you can't seem to get some. Are you with me? Maybe you just think it's money because you're ignorant about it. You just don't know. That's all that you know. Right? I mean, whatever it is, the truth is God wants you to prosper in all respects. All respects. Amen. And the word prosper has several definitions. The first one that everybody just loves to use to really uh, put down prosperity is, well, it only means to travel good and to travel, have a good journey, travel well. Okay. I used to drive a car, a 1968 Nova that had a big hole in the floorboard. It was a rust bucket. It was falling to pieces. How many of you know that those kind of cars does not help you to journey well. It doesn't do you any good to journey well in a car like that. Okay, so he's talking about the first definition to journey well and have a good travel. Okay, so um, we have to understand that it takes prosperity to travel well. The word prosper also means to be successful in accomplishing an activity and event. To be successful in those things. Prospering also describes prospering and succeeding in the normal course of life, both material and spiritual. All right? So the normal courses of life. That means in your everyday course of life, you ought to be prospering. You ought to be succeeding. You ought to be achieving in everyday, everyday life. Okay? It also means to have things turn out well. How many of you turn, deal with stuff every day and you wish things could turn out better? Yes. Sure. Well, prosperity means to have things turn out well. It also means to have a way opened up to you. Amen. 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 And these are all great definitions. And they, we ought to shout about these things. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. But you notice in all of the definitions, not once is money mentioned. Not once. But yet it's quite obvious that money's involved. Quite obvious. Because without finances, you can't take care of things on your journey. You can travel from here to California, and you can stop and sleep in your car, sleep on the side of the road, or you can get a hotel room. You could stay at uh, 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 a red roof inn where the roaches meet you at the door and say, let me help you with your luggage. <laughs> oh my, or you could stay in a nicer hotel. It's at least clean. You know, back in the early 80s, we would take our kids, when they were small, we would take them to Disney World and we would stay up there in an Econo Lodge for 1995. Glory to God. <laughs> 
And we were excited about that. And that was great. You know, back in those days is we would go shopping in Goodwill to find suit jackets or dress clothes and stuff like that. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. We were excited about it. We never went to Goodwill thinking, well, I'll tell you what, I wish I could go over to Dillard's. I wish I could go to Macy's. No, we never had that attitude. We didn't stay in an Econo Lodge and look across the street and go, well, I'll tell you what, I wish I could stay in that Western. I wish I could stay over there in that Hilton. We never had that thought. We were thankful yeah. that we could even stay in a 1995 Econo Lodge. Glory to God. You understand? See, because that'll show you where you're covetous. Don't shout me down. So, without finances, you can't take care of things on your journey. What if you got a flat tire and you needed somebody to fix it? It's going to take money to roll on that flat tire for the next 50 miles. Not going to be a good journey. You're going to need more than a tire by the time you get there. Amen. So to succeed and to accomplish and the things that we're going to do, it's going to take finances. Now, some people say things like, well, you know, faith is all you need. You don't need money. You just need faith and you just need to believe God. And there's one answer to that. Is that how you live? Because most people that say that, they don't live like that. All they want to try to do is to um, disprove what you're saying. But you can't disprove what I'm saying because you don't live in what you're saying. Are you with me? See, you're only theorizing. Or you might be excusing yourself because you don't have enough. And you don't seem to be able to step into enough. So you continue to say, oh, you don't really need that. And you've excused yourself. So you might say, somebody might say, all you need is faith. You don't really need money. Just believe God and God will supply everything that you need. So are you then in the place that you suppose everybody else should be? You got to think about this because a lot of times we are very quick to criticize and that opinion like in our back pocket. We're ready to pull that thing out and tell you what our opinion is. But you don't live in that. You don't. You just have an opinion and a theory of the way it ought to be or what you think it should be. And what you should do, actually, is develop your life and let your life become an example instead of running your mouth. Because your mouth proves nothing. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just saying. Because somebody's probably going to hear this later on on archive or something. And they're the ones that are going to need to hear this, not you. Now, other things about this verse is that John was writing to a man named Gaius. So people say, well, he was just making this as a greeting to Gaius, and it's not about really for everybody. Okay, is this the Bible or not? So is it God partial? Is he a respecter of persons? So if he's writing this and saying this to Gaius, is that for you? I mean, under that theory, he wrote that to Gaius, and therefore it's not for you. So that means the letter written to the Ephesians was only for the Ephesians and not for you. You might as well throw your Bible away because nothing has your name in it. But you see, this is the logic and the road of theory and reasoning that will always run into a dead end. 
and, uh, and it'll be like a, a, a trapped rat in the corner. Did you ever get a rat trapped in the corner? Okay, <laughs> you know, some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, a trapped rat in the corner, its demise is at hand. But bless God, it's going to do what it can because it's not going to give up. Go ahead and hit me. It's not going to give up. And that's the way the reasoning is. It's going, to, it's going to be in that corner. It's going to stand there and fight even though there's no way out. Hello. So if it says, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. That's God's desire for everybody. Timothy says, for God desires all men to be saved, delivered, healed, have soundness, to have protection, to be preserved, have wholeness and wellness in all respects. That's what salvation is. Isn't that right? So not only does he desire all men to be saved, but then he desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. So that tells me, Coming to the knowledge of the truth goes beyond being saved. Because he desires that you be saved. But now that you're saved, he needs you to come to the knowledge of the truth. So that tells me there's more truth than just being saved in Jesus. There's a life in Jesus that we got to grow in, that we got to know about. And you won't be able to grow in it unless you take hold of the truth of the word. Amen. So God's desire is that we prosper in all respects, and be in good health. We don't have to really define good health, do we? Healthy, sound, physically well. So if prosperity is a good journey, good health helps you on that journey. You know, poor health can hinder a prosperous journey. You know, if you're traveling from here to California um, and all of a sudden your health goes bad and you've got to stop and you're in the hospital for about a month, that's going to interfere with your journey. So he says, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. Wouldn't it be just wonderful if a simple prayer from somebody would just make everything okay? Oh, just pray for me and make everything okay. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, well, that don't work. I don't know if you noticed that. It doesn't work. And he says here, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as or in equal condition to the prospering of your soul. God desires all men to be saved and for their soul to prosper in the truth. Because you can't grow in the truth without your soul prospering. Your soul has to prosper in the truth of the word of God. Now, the word soul, he's not talking about. Could you just imagine for a minute? What if he said this, that in all respects, you'd prosper and be in good health just as your spirit prospers. Glory to God. I'm born again. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a child of the most high. Here it comes. Prosperity and good health. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be great. But he didn't say as your spirit prospers. He said, as your soul prospers. And what is your soul? Your mind, your emotions, and your will. Isn't that right? Amen. It's the Greek word, suke, where we get our English word, psyche, the soul. 
The soul contacts both the material and the spiritual element of humanity. Go over to Romans chapter 8 for a minute, verse 5. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we, a spirit, me, a spirit being with my soul, live inside this house called the body. Thess- Thessalonians tells you, you're a spirit, soul, and body. The Bible talks about it continuously, okay? So in Romans 8, 5, he said, For those that are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit. So the soul, which is the mind, right? The mind is in the soul. It can contact both the material and the spiritual. You can set it on the flesh or you can set it on the spirit. But only the soul can do that. Amen. The soul takes its perspective from its relation to either the emotional, fleshly, or spiritual side of life. Verse 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So therefore, the soul takes its perspective on where does it set itself? If I set myself on the things of the flesh, then my perspective is death, negative. Nothing ever works. Nothing will ever go right. This is never going to change. My life sucks and it ain't never going to get any better. That's negative. That's on the flesh. And that's a path of death. That's where you get your perspective from because you're looking in the wrong places. Because right next to you is that spirit realm. All the promises of God are right there. But you can't see it because you're too busy looking at the wrong things. But the mind set on the spirit lives in a state of life and peace. Because the soul has its relation with the things of the spirit. Amen. Are you with me? The soul is the principle of individuality. It's the seat of personal impressions. Verse 7 and 8. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, it's not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, you know flesh does not mean your physical body. The flesh means that old nature, that old dead nature. After you got born again, that old nature in your spirit died, but it still resides in your soul. So the soul then gets its individuality and personal impressions from where it's set. The mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. That's its impression. Of life. God's my problem. I don't know why God don't do something. I don't know why God don't make this better. I'll tell you what, if God would just do something, things would be better. See, you're hostile because you don't understand. You don't know. You think God's your problem because you believe the lies of the devil. The devil's blamed everything on God and you swallowed the big lie. This is truth. This is truth. He doesn't just want you to be saved. Because you can get saved and have all those wrong impressions and still live a life getting your head beat in by the devil. God's trying to set you free. Trying to get you to live in victory and liberty and authority. Amen. That you'd be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. But it only comes through a knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. Our amount of our relation 
with the flesh or with the spirit creates our individuality. We call it personality. Your personality, I hate to tell you this, you weren't born with it. You developed it in life based on individual relation and impressions, whether it be on the flesh or whether it be on the spirit. So what has created your personality? Do you know that you can, ha- you can be the happiest person in the world, but you do it because you have a defense mechanism up so that nothing would hurt you? It doesn't mean you're a joyful, cheerful person. It means you're protecting. But you can get free from that protection and your whole personality can change. Are you with me? So where is our soul set? So if I can change my soul from setting on the things of the flesh to the things of the spirit, my personality will even change. Glory to God. Because you are not just the way you are. You are not the way God made you to be. You are the way God made you only as you take hold of truth. And where you've not taken hold of truth, we're still living in captivity. As the soul goes well, being set on the spirit, your life will go well from the spirit. Which is what he's talking about in John. That you would prosper and be in good health. Just as your soul prospers. So how does your soul prosper? By being set on the things of the spirit. So as your soul goes well set on the spirit, you will prosper and be in good health. Or your life will go well because it comes out from the spirit. Where you set your soul will create your perspective, your viewpoint, and your personality. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, you don't have to turn there, but you know what it says in Joshua 1.8, that you would meditate on the word day and night, being careful to do all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will make your way successful. Doesn't say God will make you prosperous or God will make you successful. Now we know it ultimately it's the power of God, but it's only because you're taking in the Word of God. Yes. That you meditate, ponder, think about, and keep it in your thinking, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, setting your mind on the things of the Word, keeping it in you. And then you will wind up making your way prosperous and you will wind up having success. Yes. Why? Because you will make decisions based on what you've been thinking about. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, I, I believe Pastor Nid mentioned this over in 930 service about Psalm 1. Didn't you? Did you mention Psalm 1? Yeah. Psalm 1. And it tells us about prospering because of delighting and meditating in the Word of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or the Word of the Lord. And in his Word, he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. He'll not fear when the famine comes. But he'll continue to bear fruit in every season. And in everything that he does, he will prosper. So you can blame God all you want. But God's given you everything that you could be successful in life. You've just not chosen it. That's all. And that's what we have to do. Grow in choosing it. Isn't that right? Amen. So that tells me then that things can turn out well in my life. Prospering in everything you set your hand to. That sounds like it can prosper. And things be well. So if we're meditating on the word of God, where then is our mindset? 
on the things of the Word, the, the Spirit, things of the Spirit. So your soul, not your born-again spirit, but your soul is what determines whether you will prosper or not prosper. If our mind is set on the Word of God, will we do the Word? Unless you move back to attention on the flesh. If you keep your attention on the Word, you will do the Word. And that's prospering in life. Amen. And it's an extremely important foundation for the days ahead. Extremely important. And I do hope that those that are on vacation are not here today that will get this and listen to it. Because this is important. You know, we don't come to church to play church. We come to church to affect the way we think. That we can start having spiritual thoughts. That can turn into spiritual words. That can affect our life. Amen? Amen, amen. Glory to God. Go back to 3 John, verse 3. 3 John 1, 3. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in the truth. Okay? I came to testify to your truth. Not what we say is truth. Well, this is my truth. No, it doesn't matter what you say. That's just empty words. Your truth pertains personally to you. This is you, okay? Now, the word truth, this is not a group thing. This is our truth. No, it's not a group thing. You know, what, who do men say that I am? But then the question is, who do you say? Mm-hmm. See, it's always individual. A thousand could fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not touch me. It's individual. Right. The whole world could be going to hell in a handbasket, but I will not go that way. It's, it's up to you individually. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. So, truth is defined this way. The unveiled reality <clears throat> that lies at the basis of and agreeing with an appearance. The unveiled reality that lies at the basis of and agrees with an appearance. So there is an appearance in things that you see. All the way people talk, the way people act. Or the way they smile. The way they whatever they do. We see that. But then there's the unveiled reality that underlies what you see. And to God it's opened. And he can see the reality that you can't see. Remember when Samuel went to Jesse's house to uh, anoint the next king? And Jesse brought out all of his sons, and Samuel's like, well, surely this would be the next king. Oh, so this man has the stature of a king. This would be the king. And what did the Lord say to Samuel? He said, man judges by what he sees, but God judges the heart. See, the heart is the unseen. Only God could see that. You can put on the best show that you can put on and fool every single person, but God sees what what's not seen. You'll never pull anything over him. God is not deceived. Isn't that right? Amen. So there's an appearance and then there is the thing of unseen that is open and unveiled before God. Now when the unseen agrees with what is seen, then that's the truth. This is not about, well, that's a statement. I believe that statement and that's my truth. No, 
The truth is how you walk in life. Are you with me? The unseen reality is the manifested, veritable essence of the matter. This is very important. The unseen reality, what goes on on the inside of you. Forget about what's out here. But what goes on on the inside of you, that is the manifested, most important essence of the whole matter that's seen. What's seen means nothing. It's what's on the inside that is everything. And the word veritable just means it really puts an intense to that word. It's the manifested essence. Intensely manifested essence of everything. Therefore, what is seen, I'm sorry, what is unseen, what's unseen is what is manifested, not the seen. See, we do stuff to put on a show or whatever we might do, say certain things or whatever we might say, but we put it out there for a certain reason. But what's going to be manifested in your life is not your show, it's what's in you. This creates the manifestation. Are you with me? Proverbs 23.7. Let's look at that. Proverbs 23.7 is a great example of it. One of the great examples of it. <clears throat> Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart's not with you. So he says to you, oh, come, eat and drink. But guess what? That's not who he is. Who he is is what's really on the inside of him. His heart's not with you. His heart don't really, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, come on. Oh, look, look, look who's here. Oh, yeah, come on over and sit down. Uh, and on the inside, you're going, I can't wait till they leave. <laughs> so what's on the inside is the essence of the matter. Not your kindness to the person outwardly, because you don't really want them there anyway. Because as you think within yourself, that's who you are. Amen. <clears throat> and this is what determines whether something is truth or not. It can look good. It can look right. But with this guy here, it was a lie. You remember the account of Job? Now, we could spend a lot of time on Job, but we're not going to. But just quickly, Job's fear is what brought results into his life. His actions did not bring results. His actions were his actions of sacrifice, his actions of wanting to protect his family, his actions that said, I love my family and I want to protect them because I'm going to sacrifice that nothing happens to them. Well, we know he lost his family. He lost his possessions. He lost all of his health. He was the wealthiest man in the land, and he became nothing but a byword in the land. And he makes a statement in chapter 3, verse 25 of Job, and it says, That which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I dread befalls me. Because it wasn't the outward that was producing anything in his life. It was the inward that was producing. You can declare the word of God out of your mouth, but in your heart is fear. Your words will not produce your fear will. You can, you can say things that I'm believing God and all that, but on the inside there is concern, there's worry, there's doubt, there's unbelief. And that's what will create in your life, not what's coming out of your mouth. 
And this is why, and this is where most people miss it, and this is where all the critics miss it, and this is where most of the Christians miss it. If you believe in your heart and do not doubt, but believe that what you say is going to happen, you'll have what you say, that means there's a heart with no doubt, a heart with no fear, and a heart with no worry. Thank you, Jesus. A heart that is believing. If you believe it, then it will happen. Why? Because it's not what you say. It's what's on the inside that creates. And you can't hide what's on the inside from God. And you can't hide it from the devil either. And you reap according to what you sow out from your heart. Oh, come and eat and drink. But out of my heart, I'm sowing. I don't want you here. I don't want you around. I don't like you. Wish you'd leave. See, that's what gets sown into your life. This is important stuff. The truth that John spoke about was their truth. And they were walking in it in their life. You know, another great example of living a lie was when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. He said, he was speaking to the people about the Pharisees, and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness to be seen of men. Isn't that right? I'm jumping way ahead of myself. And he said, in fact, go over there. Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll just do it backwards. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. You have what? No reward. Why? Because you didn't sow anything into the eternal realm. So you can't receive anything from the eternal realm. Well, I wish God would. No, you need to receive from the eternal realm what God's already provided for you. But it don't happen because of your outward actions. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Verse 2. So, when you give to the poor, don't sound the trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Okay, so what did they do? They got an attaboy. Attaboy, hey, attaboy, you did a good job. You gave to those people. Attaboy, you're done. I hope you enjoyed the attaboy because there is no more reward for you. Amen. Verse 3. But when you give to the poor, Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, verse 4. So that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now look at what the Amplified says of verse 4. So that your deeds of charity or giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, when you do it right, it will manifest into your life. When you do it wrong, it won't. When you do it wrong, all you get is an attaboy. 
Now, if that's what you want for a reward, have at it. But he talks about here about giving. He goes on to talk about prayer, and he talks about fasting. And it's all the same. He would say that when you fast, see, when you fasted back in those days, when you fast, it would put off an odor from your body, and everybody would know you're fasting. And Jesus said, anoint your body. In other words, put on some perfume or put on some aftershave. Do something and cover up what smells. <laughs> and don't let people know you're fasting. Because they would walk around with an odor so everybody would know that they were fasting. And they would be like, oh, the holy men, oh, they're fasting, ooh. And what did they do? They got the praise, which is what they wanted. That's what they wanted. They wanted praise from men. Okay? Are you wanting to be seen by other people in what you're doing? You go around and tell everybody, oh, I gave these people, I gave to this, I gave to that. I've done all of this stuff. Your reward's done. Amen. Why? Why did the Pharisees do this? Because they were not in love with God. They were not faithful to God. They didn't care about honoring God. They wanted the honor for themselves. They loved themselves, and they only wanted the praise. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But if you go back to 3 John and verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear of my children walking in the truth. Where the inside, unseen reality of things agrees with what is seen. That's joy. I mean, that's truth. And that's what gives God great joy. Amen. Verse 5. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers. In whatever you accomplish for the brethren. Well, accomplishing something is success. And isn't that prosperity? So they're acting faithfully with their prosperity. Faithful with what they prosper in. Amen? Verse 6 through 8. And they have testified to your love before the church, that you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Just as a side note, he doesn't say you ought to support everybody. He says you ought to support those that are going in the name to spread the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. This is the purpose of finances. I know the world thinks you ought to just give to everybody, and they think you're a heathen if your church don't give to everybody. No, they're the heathen, and they don't get God's stuff. Now, I'm not saying that you're not humanitarian, but that is not the forefront purpose of the church, to be humanitarian. Now, you may not agree with that, but that's your tradition. The forefront purpose of the Word of God. They went out and preached everywhere the truth of the Word, and the Lord confirmed His Word with signs following. That is the purpose of the church. Speaking the truth. Amen. Amen. 
So it is to be a help and a support, and it's actually giving to God. Sowing seed. Bless God. You know, I was in a restaurant one day, had a meal, and I left the tip. And as I was writing on the charge card what the tip was going to be, this is the thought that came up on the inside. That's a big tip. So why would that thought come up? Well, it could be because there's a concern. Because the flesh has that one expression that it always uses. What will be left for me? You know, that's what the flesh always says. What's going to be left for me? That was a big tip. So flesh could have been worried about it. Or maybe the flesh was being boastful. Well, that's a big tip. What do you want? They're going to like that one. You know, it could be boastful, couldn't it? But then there was another thought that came right behind that that said, if you can't be generous with money, then what's it for? Well, that was from the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you just take money and throw it. You never throw money. You sow money. You don't throw it. And you sow it by knowing in the spirit what you're supposed to do. So that you do it in truth and not do it in pretense. Amen. Matthew 6, 21. Hallelujah. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The word treasure means your wealth, your riches, your investments. Wherever it is, wherever your treasure is, in that place where your treasure is, that's where you will find your heart. And your heart defined as your desires, your feelings, your affections, your impulses, also the counsels, dispositions of the inner man. So he's talking about your heart, your inner being. Who controls your heart? Will it be your spirit or will it be your soul? The soul set on the flesh will control your heart. The soul set on the spirit will control your heart. Amen. So, very simply, Jesus says here that money tells the story of where our heart is. Money is the revealer of what's in our heart. What we do with money reveals how much we love the Lord and his work. You know, I get stuff all the time and I'm thinking, oh, I wish I could afford, I wish I could support everybody. But you can't. You got to know who you need to because, you know, we all have limitations on what we can do today. Right? Somebody said you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. See, because this is what determines the truth in us. If I say I love, what does love do? Gives. Now, it's not just money, but it's giving of all kinds of things. Isn't that right? Thank you, Jesus. So it's, you know, loving will always give because love gives. But then you can give without loving. Amen. Amen. Love wants to invest or do something sacrificial for the one that's loved. The one that's loved, the one that loves will have no problem being sacrificial for the one they love. Amen. If we love them, our heart will be with them. And if our heart's with them, our money will always follow our heart. Always. 
Amen. So, we should do things with a whole heart. So what does it mean to do it with a whole heart? It means your spirit and your soul are in agreement because your heart is made up of your spirit and your soul. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma. The Greek word for soul is suke. The Greek word for flesh is socks. So that suke can be set on the flesh or set on the spirit. If my soul is set on the flesh, I'm half-hearted because the heart's not in agreement. And that's the definition of doubt. It's called strife. You're in strife within yourself because you're separated. But when your soul is in agreement with your spirit, then you'll be of a whole heart. And it's one thing to sit there and say, oh, yeah, my soul, I agree with my spirit. But it don't come out in you saying it. It comes out in your choices. It comes out in your decisions. And it comes out in your way of living. Because we know talk is what? Cheap. Cheap. Everybody can afford it. Inflation does not affect talking. Amen. It's the only area where Bidenomics works. You can always afford to talk. (laughs) Amen. All right, maybe that was a little flesh. So if you want to know where your heart is, follow your money. It will always tell the truth. So a couple of questions. What do you spend most of your money for? What do you store up your money for? What do you plan, strategize, and long for? It's a revealing of the heart. Amen. Look at Ephesians 4.28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he'll have something to share with one who has need. So we know that we should put our hands to stuff to have something to share with somebody that has need, but then we should have enough also to meet our own needs. Isn't that right? And a lot of times, you know, you can read that and you could think, well, as soon as I get enough from me, then I'll have something to share with others. Which then follows another question. When is enough enough? When is enough enough? Well, just, just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You know, you start living that movie, that James Bond movie, The World is Not Enough. You know, you're just going to get more, 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 because the more that you get, the more that you want, and the more that you want, the more that you need, and the more that you get, the more that you want, and the more that you want, the more that you need, and you never do have enough. But just as soon as you get enough, you'll be able to share with others. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Amen. And Jesus gave that example with the Pharisees about their giving, their praying, and their fasting. Right? All right. Proverbs 11.25. Proverbs 11.25, the generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. All right, so how prosperous do you want to be? Well, how generous are you going to be? 
How much do you want to be watered? Oh, how much are you going to water? Look in the Passion Translation of Proverbs 11.25. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Amen. Amen. Now that's a promise from God. Now, you can't just run around and throw money or whatever and just throw stuff at people and go, well, I'm being generous, I'm being generous. You're not generous, you're throwing. And you're not generous because it's not truth. Are you with me? So you can't just run around and just throw money around and just think, oh, oh, oh I tell you what, I'm going I'm to be blessed, I'm going to be prosperous, everything's going to come back to me. But you're not doing it in truth. You have to do it in truth. You can't do, see, you can't operate in the kingdom of God like in the kingdom of the world. This is not like chasing stocks, chasing investments, uh, planning for your retirement. It's not about that at all. If I give this much, then I, I can increase this much. If I give this much and I'm going to get this and this is going to really build up my retirement account, it's going to really build, I'm, I'm just going to give so I can get more. No. No, it's not a stock market. And a lot of people think that that's what the prosperity message is, and it's not. Prosperity is a lifestyle yeah. that affects all areas of our life. Right. It's not just money. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So, listen, if I'm, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give, uh, Nate, this is an example. I'm going to give Anita $100 because I need to get something. And I'm going to give Carmen another $100 because, you know, I'm going to, Give Pastor Morgan 100 That's $300 now. Now I can give That means I'll get back at least 600 you know, 3000 Figure out the 30, 60, 100 I'm going to get this amount back. I am not looking to bless them. I'm looking to bless me. I don't care about them. It's all about me. See, and that's what makes it not truth. Because the inside does not reflect the outside. Now, you can all look at me and go, oh, we just love you, Pastor. You just give to others. This is not truth. <laughs> now, we understand, according to the Scriptures, that when there's a seed sown, there's going to be a harvest. Right? We understand that. But that cannot be your sole reason for doing it. Amen. It should not be in the forefront of my thinking that when I get, oh, I'm going to get back, I'm going to get back. I'm gonna get. That's not in the forefront of our thinking. Now, it can start there because that's what you learn from the Word. It starts there, but then you have to learn, grow, and renew your mind to where it don't stay there. It's got to get beyond there. You know, sometimes we can get saved, and then 30 years later, we're still in the same place. You got to get beyond that. You got to grow. You know, we, don't, we wouldn't expect a, a two-year-old child to take the garbage out. You know, so there's no reward for that child based on them taking the garbage out, right? So the child does get their needs taken care of. But when they grow and now they're 13 years old, they're expected to take the garbage out. Well, they don't want to take the garbage out, but they want to get the same reward. You're not going to get the same reward. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. The reward comes for doing what you're supposed to do. If you're still doing what you did 30 years ago and don't want to change, 
you're not only going to lose the rewards from back then, there's nothing new today. That's it. It's about growth, that you would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's all about growing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Outward action without inner motive of blessing. An outward action without an inner motive of just trying to be a blessing. No, the outer motive of giving has to line up with an inner motive of wanting to bless. Whether I get back or not. Do you know what the purpose is for you to understand the scriptures? Uh, that if I give, it's given back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, bringing the tide, the windows of heaven are open, the devourers rebuked for my sake. There's one that gives and yet increases all the more. Do you understand why it is important to understand and know these verses? So the devil can't steal from you. That's all it is. It's not the motivation of your life. It's so the devil can't steal from you. That when the devil comes to steal from you, you go, no, 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 Lord, I have given my tithe in the offering, and based on what the Word of God says, the devourers rebuke for my sake, and you have no right to come into my life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and in the power of my tithe, you have no right. You understand? See, it gives us the right to stand in that which I've done, and especially if I know that I've sown it in truth. You know, a lot of people read that verse, give and it'll be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, that men will pour into your bosom. So if I give an eight or a hundred dollars, then my confession is, I have given. So it's going to be given back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, that an eight is going to pour back into my life. No, that's not what it says. But you see, there's times that people give they want to get something back from you and as long as you're looking to that person to give back to you yeah. your motives are wrong because when you give you give to God based on what's in your heart and there's no strings attached <clears throat> I've had people years ago come into church and they were trying to get a foothold within leadership of the church. You know who I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. So they were like, oh, it's Christmas time. Let me take you down to Dillard's. I'll buy you anything you want. I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm like, fine, let's go. I went down. I bought everything I wanted. I mean, he says, you want this, you want this. I'm like, no, I won't take that, but I'll take this over here. I walked out with a bundle. You know what he got for it? Nothing. Motors were wrong. I didn't give him nothing. I'm not going to say, well, you know, this is not political stuff. You know, you do something for me and I got to now, you know, do. No, forget it. They'd shoot me in politics because I'm not doing it. You will give me all you want, but no, I'm not. I'm not doing it back to you. Unless the Lord says. Are you with me? Say we're talking about inward motives. Outward appearances. Walking in the truth. Living to bless others. Not bless ourselves. This is about growth. Amen. When I was younger. I think I remember when I was younger. 
Seems to be a while ago now. <laughs> but when I was younger, I was a pretty stingy person. I would, uh, you know, walk around the city, New York, stop in it. They had, they had a bunch of Dunkin', not Dunkin', uh, chock full of nuts, I think it was. Chock full of nuts coffee houses. I love their coffee. I love their donuts. I'd go in there all the time and I'd eat them. And then I'd leave without leaving a tip. Never leave a tip. I wouldn't help people on the street. Never would. People come up to you. You know, I drive through the Bowery to go to work and people come up to you and they're winos and stuff and, you know, they, they wanting money. I wouldn't even roll my window down. I wouldn't give them the time of day. I wouldn't give nothing to nobody. I was very stingy. I... Uh, I thought it was ludicrous, ludicrous to give a dollar a week into church. That's craziness. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and I remember the priest would say things like, well, today we want to take up a silent offering. Well, a silent offering meant no coins, just bills. That's, that's what that meant. Yeah, don't be throwing any coins in. They make noise. We want a silent offering. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's, that's about it. I'm putting my 10 cents away. <laughs> uh, amen. Now, if you go in a restaurant and you leave somebody a good tip, don't you expect that when you go back again, you're going to get good service? I would expect it. Because tips are more of a bribe, I think, than they are just a tip. They were bribed. I'm coming back again. I'm bribing you to give me good service when I come back. <laughs> um, well, actually, the, the guy that, that bought that stuff for me for Christmas, he was trying to bribe me and control. It was about bribing and controlling, you know, which ain't going to work. Blackmail don't even work. I mean, you can try to blackmail me on something. I'm like, oh, I don't care. Just tell them what you want to tell them. I don't care. <laughs> it just don't work. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> Throwing money is not generous. It's a work of the flesh. It can be done to try to gain advantage. It can be like the Pharisees that want to be seen of men and be praised by people. To receive accolades of thanks. Have you ever done this? You're in a restaurant. You leave the waitress or waiter, whoever it might be, the server. I don't want to be gender specific here. But you leave the server a good tip. And you sit there for a while because you want the server to come back and go, oh, thank you, thank you. Anybody ever do that? Don't raise your hand. But some people will do that. They'll sit there and wait for that server to come back because they want accolades. Oh, thank me, thank me. Well, you got your reward in full. Throwing money is not generous. And it doesn't produce a return. Not the kind of return that you want. Generosity is being led in the human spirit by the Holy Spirit. And just knowing on the inside what you're supposed to do. You know, this time that I get a, a, a receipt from the restaurant, and you know, they got the, I don't even know if they have 10% anymore, but they got at least 15%, 20%, 22% on, on your receipt. You know, I don't even look at that. I just look at the, and I just look at my heart. What should I leave them for a tip? That's all. Whatever it should be. It doesn't matter whether the service was good or bad. 
Sometimes the service is really bad. I'm like, oh, you know, but then they ring the bill and it's got to be like, okay, what should I do? What should I do? You know. Maybe they need a really big tip so they can take off tomorrow and look for a good job, then one that they can do. <laughs> uh, I think we've lost this one. <clears throat> but he said in John, in all respects, in all respects, to prosper and be in good health. Well, if you're going to prosper in all respects, you've got to be generous in all respects, in everything. Isn't that right? Be prosperous and be in good health as you walk in the truth. But it can only happen as the soul prospers. And that's what our lifelong process is. After getting saved, you become born again, a new creature in Christ. The rest of your life now is about prospering in the soul and getting the soul to line up with the truth and then walking in that truth. And it will produce back into your life because it is the truth. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. Just bow your heads for a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're online, live stream, podcast, just bow your head. If you're in the car, don't bow your head. <laughs> but just bow your head before the Lord and uh, set your focus. If you're driving, then just set your focus on him right now. And um, he wants you to be prosperous and be in good health in all respects, in everything, in every part of your life, in every part of your physical body. It doesn't matter if it's your joints, if it's your inner organs, if it's your extremities. It doesn't matter if it's in your eyesight, your earing, hearing, uh, whatever it might be. He, he wants you whole. He wants you well. So just look before the Lord and just ask him right now. And you don't have to expect an answer right now, but he will answer you. And just ask the Lord right now, where in these areas am I not walking in truth? That I can get these things in order so that I can start walking in the truth. Because it is not what I do that determines the truth, but it's what's in me because what's in me is who I am. So help me, Holy Spirit, to line up with your truth within my soul so that my soul can prosper, so that I can walk in truth. I can do the truth. I can obey the truth. And the truth that's in me will bring results into my manifested life. Lord, I thank you for these things. Lord, we've asked. You said if we lack wisdom to ask you for it. We have asked right now. And I thank you that you will bring the answer to us. That we'll be attentive to you. That we would hear from the Spirit and know what it is that we need to do. Just those little things that we need to change. Little things we need to tweak. Little adjustments we need to make in our thinking so that we can line up with the truth. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, as we come before you now with our giving, we thank you for the opportunity to sow seed, to bring in the tithe. That we come before you, Father, with a joyful and cheerful and glad heart, Father. That we are the generous. That we are the ones that are givers. That we are the ones that will prosper and be watered in life. Father, I thank you that your word resides on the inside of us. 
And the only reason we do give is not because we feel compelled. It's not because we're, we don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it because we feel like there's pressure on us to have to do it. But we do it because we love you. You have given us your whole life. And we give back to you the substance of our life. And Father, I thank you. That increase comes back to our way that will continue to grow, develop, and be prosperous in everything in life. Father, I thank you for this. We sow our seed today, Father, into that which we have heard. For it is our desire that our soul prosper, continue to increase, grow, and develop so that our life can prosper, continue to grow, develop. But even more than that, our life will be our praise to you, and it brings glory to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us online, whether you're on live stream or whether you're on podcast. We appreciate you tuning in and hearing the word and letting the word be a blessing to you. And I do pray that the word has really touched you and brought insight into you that can affect your thinking and just change those little things. I mean, it doesn't always take a lot. It's just a little thought change that needs to happen. And boom, it just moves us into another realm and another area to be able to take hold of the life of God and the blessing of God. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry and go to our website at newlifefamilyworship.net and click on the giving link, I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And as we always say, if there's anything at all, that we can stand and pray with you about and believe God for your needs to be met, please let us know. It's an honor to stand with our partners and believe God with you for your needs to be met. Amen.